Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. 2 Corinthians 1 and 8, because finally, even the Apostle Paul here reached the breaking point. He says, we were pressed out of measure above strength in so much that we despaired even of life. Now, God's hand was on Paul's life, uh, but this is something you need to know. The anointing on your life, as real it is, as it is, as powerful as it, as it is, it doesn't exempt you from your humanness. I have gotten in trouble thinking that I was superhuman because God's hand was on my life. But then my, my, my flesh, my body, my mind, everything about me reminded me, hey, dude, you're just a guy, and you need to check yourself, and you need, might need to pace yourself in this situation. You know, some people may, may fall in love with your anointing, but never confuse that with them loving you. That, that's really, really important. You need people in your life that just don't love what you have, but they love you. Like my wife, she don't care anything about my anointing. She loves me, and that stabilizes me, that keeps me. And, uh, you know, I've had to learn this the hard way, but uh, th this guy was a human, and he had to deal with his humanity, and this is what these verses are all about in the midst of the anointing. So as powerful as what? Doing miracles. Uh, God raised him for the dead and the great testimonies. I mean, the Bible said he did extraordinary miracles. They would take handkerchiefs from him, and, and people would get healed. This is a powerful man that wrote much of the New Testament, but he was still a human. And he had to deal with his humanity. So I don't care how Christian you are. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you've been in Christ. You are a human being. And you got to tend to your humanity. And here, it's almost like a psalm, what we're reading, because he's talking about his emotions. And you don't get a lot of that from Paul. Uh, but he's talking about what he felt and what he went through. And I think it's important to read this. And if this could happen to a guy like that, of course it could happen to you and to me. It says, but we had the sentence, so he talked about pressed above strength, all that, but we had, watch this, the sentence of death in ourselves. Now, this is an allusion to the sign that a condemned man would wear around his neck. Literally, it was called a titulus, a titulus, and um, the titulus was the, the board that was hung around the person's neck that the person's crime was written on it, just like with Jesus. And I'm a little bit ahead of myself because we're going to take a look at it. The Bible said the charges that were against him were put above him. Um, you know, here is the king of the Jews, yada, yada, yada. That was the titulus. And Jesus uh, actually carried a titulus on the way to the cross. Let's take a look at Matthew 27 and verse 37 in the Gospels. And they put over his head, Jesus' head, the accusation written against him. So this is the titulus, and they placed it around his neck. Then when he got to the cross, they hung it high on the cross. And they, the, the reason they hung it so high and typically above the head was so that everyone viewing would be warned against committing the same crime. So once this thing was hung around your neck, uh, the die was cast. These were the Romans, and you didn't get away from the Romans. Um, you, you were a dead man walking. So he was like, we had the titulus, the sentence of death. There was no way out. The, the only thing next was the, the literal execution, but there, there was no way out. Back to 2 Corinthians 1, and let's go to verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death 
in ourselves. So this sentence of death was not necessarily something that the crowd might be saying as much as they were saying it. And it's one thing when, when people are talking about you or when people hate you, but when you start hating yourself, uh, it's one thing when you have adversaries on the outside, but when you start having uh, adversary or, or, or challenges on the inside, that, that's when it really, really, really gets tough. He said, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. I saw myself with the titulus. There was no way out of this situation. I was going to go through something horrible, and I would be uh, left for dead like those that had been crucified. So, again, he had this thing wrapped around his neck in his own mind. He, and, and not only him, but his whole team felt like the walking dead. Everybody on the team, uh, there was no fight left on the inside of these men. Uh, have you ever felt like that? And this is what Paul ha had experienced, and his whole team had experienced. But what the devil intends for evil, it's amazing how God somehow finds a way to work it for our good. Watch this next verse. We have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Now, the devil may be trying to destroy you because the devil's a good devil, and that's what the devil does. The world may be trying to destroy you because the world is the world. But sometimes God can use our pain as, as heaven's hammer used to free us from our shackles of misplaced trust in ourselves. And this is actually what was happening because we, we know the devil was doing some stuff. But Paul here by the Holy Spirit kind of gives us another lens. Yeah, the devil was doing some things, but God was also working some things out. Now, people say when, when you get to the end of your rope, you know, hold on and tie a knot. Well, I'm here to tell you, when you get to the end of your rope, let go and let God. We're about to discover that right here. Let's keep going. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. So on the inside, we, we had given up that we should not now, what God was working was that we wouldn't even trust ourselves. We wouldn't even trust our assessment of our circumstances. Because many times I've looked at my circumstances, I'm like, no way. But God's like, you got to learn not to trust that and trust my word. And here they were in the same situation. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. It took me, I think it would be dishonest, but I said, I've learned this. I'm still learning this. Sometimes I forget and God has to remind me. But my rope is not long enough. My rope is not strong enough to get me where God wants me to be. So when I get to my wit's end, I let go of my rope and hold on to his. And, and this is so vital. He got to a place where even his own stamina, his own personal strength, it came to the end. And the only thing he could do is look up and say, Lord, I will, I will trust you. And you will have moments in your life like that. And that's why Paul is, is writing about his own. That we should not trust in ourselves, but watch this, but in God who raises the dead. I want you to think about this. If you want to experience the God that raises the dead, in order for you to experience that God, something in your life may have to die. Let me say it again. To experience the God who raises the dead, something in your life must first die. I believe that, that the Lord is saying to me and he's saying to you 
There's some things in our lives that we need to take off life support. There's some things we need to just let die in order for God to be God. And we're trying to keep the thing alive. We're trying to nurse that thing. And, and man, but, but God's like, man, just let it die so I can do what only I can do. Now, that's, that's a little tough on the flesh because the flesh doesn't want anything to die. The, the flesh wants to, you know, keep stuff alive. That's just the way we are. There's this, this thing inside of us where, where, where we, we want to survive. But, and we also want the things around us to survive. But sometimes faith is just letting go and letting that thing die and then watch what God does. Then God who delivered us, you see what happened? From so great a death. When Paul came to the end of himself and said, I can't, God stepped in and said, no problem, Paul, I can. And God wants to get you to the place. Now, listen, the devil's doing, don't think that the bad stuff happened is God doing it. But God is going to use that situation because God wastes nothing. He'll get you intentionally or allow you to get to the place where you recognize you can't so you can discover the God who can. And that takes a lot of pressure off. This is not about God's ego. It's like, well, I just want to be the, the can-do it God as much as if all the pressure is on you as a human being, that's stressful. You're imperfect. You mess up. You get tired. You get weary. You, you miss, you know, some, some I's you, you, and, and you don't dot so you don't cross some T's. As humans, we just do that. It's like, well, what I want to do is free you from that. I want you to put your trust in someone who can't mess up, someone who can't miss, someone that's absolutely invincible, someone that knows all, someone that can never make a mistake. So, you know, if you're trusting in yourself, you're going to be very frustrated because we mess up. But if you're trusting in God who never fails, you can really experience joy unthinkable and full of glory. The God who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. It's a little awkward there in English, but what I want you to see is Paul used three tenses. He, he says uh, the God that uh, has delivered us, the God who past tense has delivered us, and the God that will deliver us. So the God of the past, the present, and the future. But in order for God to do that delivering, let's get back into the narrative here. Paul was at the end of himself. The only thing he could do was look up. And sometimes, uh, you know, when we get to the end of it, we got to let go and let God, you see, it's not my job, it's not your job to figure everything out. My only job is to trust him. And Paul was like, you know, in myself, I had the sentence of death. It's like, I'm definitely going home this time. I don't see any way out of this situation but God. And you might be in a space, I don't see any way out of this situation. I you know, and I'm stuck. I'm mentally stuck. I'm emotionally stuck. Maybe I'm financially stuck. I'm physically stuck in my health. But God. And that's what God was teaching the great apostle here. Uh, let's go one more place before I wrap up for the morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Peter says by the Holy Spirit, Therefore, humble yourself. It didn't say that this is something God's going to do. It's so important. It says you do this. It's a choice you make, 
No one can make this choice for you. Paul says, I'm sorry, Peter says here, therefore, humble yourselves. Now, the word translated humble yourself, or the words translated humble yourself, uh, are, are in the passive tense, meaning that the sentence could be rendered, permit God to humble you, or accept God's humbling power, or yield and humble yourself in the situation. I, it, it, it's, you see, it's, it's not the situation alone, but your response to the situation that determines whether or not you come out of the situation bitter or better. So in the situation, we have choices where we can be full of pride. This should never happen to me. I'm better than this, and God, you're unfair. That's pride. Or you can humble yourself and say, well, Lord, you know what? This type of situation has happened to the best of men and women, yet will I trust you. I'm going to still look to you. Matter of fact, Lord, if I can learn anything in this situation, I'm going to learn it. And Lord, I'm going to look to you, and I'm going to get through this because it's not my own strength. I'm not, I'm not betting on myself as much as I'm betting on you, God, and you never fail. And what they did to Jesus, Jesus got up from, and that the Spirit of Christ lives on the inside of me, and I'm going to get up from it too, all because of the Christ in me. And that's true humility. Humble yourself, watch this, under the weak little God we see on some of these stained glass windows. Some of the images of him are absolutely obnoxious. They upset me. But no, humble yourself under the mighty hand. God's hand is strong. God's hand is not weak. We're talking about the all Mighty. I mean, the guy that holds the, the earth in the palm of his hand, the Bible says the earth is actually his footstool. His whole foot could, could cover the whole planet. This is the, 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 the size and the magnitude of our God. Humble yourself under God's weak hand. No, see, the reason we don't humble ourselves is like, well, I'm strong. I got to take care of this because God's too weak to handle it. When you realize how strong he is, like, I'm not going to mess with it. He has the power to do this thing perfectly. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And I've learned to, to pray this prayer that many of us have, have learned. Father, grant me the peace to accept the things I can't change. There are many things I, I can't change. I, I, I can't change some of the things going on right now in government. I can pray for folks. But I can't change it. I can't change what my neighbors are doing. I, I can't change some things happening in, in other people's lives. So, that, Lord, help me accept what I, I can't do. Help me to be at peace with my inabilities. But also, Lord, give me the courage. Grant me the courage to change the things I can change and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, I have at times in my life tried to change things that I had no power to change. Very, very frustrated. But there were other times there were things I could change that I didn't even try to change because I didn't have the courage. And in this, this prayer, we're saying, Lord, let me say it one more time. Grant me the peace to accept things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can change and the wisdom to know the difference. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you when, it's important, when, in due time. It's so important. Due time is not a calendar event. It is a character event. So your due time is when God has made you ready on the inside for what he has for you. So your season will, in fact, come 
But first, sometimes you got to learn to let go and let God. And verse 7 says, casting all your care upon him. Now, verse 6 told us to humble ourselves, but here in verse 7, he's telling us how we humble ourselves. Humility is really casting your care. Now, listen, this is easier preached than live. This is, I, I know this. But humility is casting your care upon him, taking our burdens to the Lord and leaving them there. You know, humility is not having everything figured out. That, that's not humility. Humility is not a need to have everything figured out. But it's being confident in the one who has. God's already sorted it out. He's already figured out. Before you even heard the promise, he knew what the promise would entail for him to fulfill it in every single person's life. And he counted the cost and he said, I'm more than enough. Casting all your care, or better put, anxiety upon him. Take it off me, put it on him. You got to take it off you and put it on him. When I bring it to the Lord... Now listen, please don't mishear me. When I get bad news, crazy news, ha, I feel it. But what I do is I bring it to the Lord. And I, don't, I can't explain how prayer works, but in that exchange between him and I, sometimes it's several sentences, uh, sometimes it's just one word, sometimes I don't even have to say a word. I, I can't explain how it happens. But when I look to God, when I bring it to God, he starts giving me confidence that he got it. And when he got it, I don't got to care anymore. So prayer is really getting to the place where you know he got it. Let's say you're believing for a spouse. I mean, you're all anxious and worried, but when you have that moment with him and you know, oh, he got it, all that anxiety can lift. And here's the, the devil's, he'll start whispering in your ear again and try to, you try to give you that responsibility and burden back, but you got to learn to resist the devil. And we're going to learn that right at the end and tell him no. And like with me, you know, I'll bring a huge issue to the Lord, and I'm good for three days. Then the fourth day, I start hearing the whispering, and my mind's like, you know what, you know what, you know what? And that's what happened with Peter on the water. He began to sink. But thank God, you know, uh, uh, Jesus reached in, and he, and he grabbed him, and, and God's not giving up on us. And when we begin to sink, keep looking to him, and he will keep you. Casting all, not just some, all so easy to say this, but God wants us to do it. Casting all your care upon him. So when you realize and when we realize that God has accepted our care as his own care, you don't have to care anymore. And I mean, if God really cares and if God really got it, why am I messing with it? Why am I worried about it? Why am I still troubled if the King of kings and Lord of lords got or has, and I know my grammar's all messed up, but I like God better, but, but if God has my situation, now if God is really, really at the wheel of my life, why are you worried about his driving? I mean, this is God at the wheel. If you've really given him control, if he's really ordering your steps, if he's really the Lord of your life, you just need to put your seatbelt on, relax, and enjoy the ride. Easier said than done. But when you learn this prayer of committal, when you learn to cast your care on him, there will be joy unspeakable 
full of glory. There will be peace that passes understanding. But you got to learn to take the care off you and place it rightly on him. Casting all your care upon him. He's like, my shoulders are big enough, Derek. Um, you know, I'm strong enough to handle that situation. Why does this work, though, this casting of care? And then the next clause of the sentence tells us, for he cares for you. So when you really realize that God loves you, that God's for you, not against you, that that problem is not God bringing that problem. It's really the devil or, or the world or the flesh or something like that. But it's not your God. Every good gift comes from God. He's the father of lights. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. God's not one day one way, another day the next way. Jesus bore the wrath of God, so I'm not experiencing the wrath of God. I may experience some discipline, but that's very different than wrath. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. God loves us more in one moment than any other person or human being, even our mamas, could love us in a lifetime. We have to learn to trust him. So what I want to do before we dismiss today or you shut off your computer, I want us to take a moment to actually humble ourselves. So we heard about it, and that was nice. But what I want us to do now is actually do it. So what I want you to do right now, wherever you are, I want you to bring your situation, your burden to the Lord. Maybe it's the way your husband's acting, your wife is acting, maybe it's the way a child is acting, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's a health situation. Uh, it could be a zillion different things. It could be a relationship that's out of whack. Uh, what I want you to do is right now, Lord, I, I, I bring this situation before you. And your word says X, Y, and Z about the matter. Now, I teach the word every week, so some word should be popping up in your heart. And, Lord, this is what your word says about it. And, and Lord, I, I have a, a good authority here that, that I'm, I'm praying according to your will because your word says you care about this thing, and your word gives me a promise on this thing. Lord, I bring this burden, I bring this issue before you, Lord, and I give it wholly over to you. Lord, take it. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.